hoy, Noiros! Or should I say, Merry Christmas? Yes. Are you in the seasonal spirit? Almost. Okay. I'm not exactly there yet. All right. Well, uh, Lump of Coal Dan is here to say he's not there yet. And um, <laughs> Father Joseph here to say uh, Merry Christmas and welcome to the show. Welcome. Boy, have we got one for you today, oh. huh, Dan? <laughs> one, of the, one of the probably most fascinating ones we've covered actually all year. So it's good we waited this long. That's certainly true. Uh, hold on. Let me grab my copy so when I can, I have an example when I need to point at. Yes. This guy? Yeah. We'll get to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to talk about, I think. There absolutely is. It's going to be a Christmas present of an episode. You know, hey, yeah. speaking of some joyous gifts coming, Kino just announced they're doing one false move on Blu-ray. I'm so psyched on that. I did see that. I thought of you. That existed during neo-noir-vember. It would have happened. That's, that's such a good movie. If you want Paxton neo-noir, that's where you go. That's, yeah, that's, that's, Billy Bob that's, Thornton is just such a scumbag in it, and he, he co-wrote the movie as well, pre-Sling Blade. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we can put this in consideration in the future, maybe. I don't, if we ever do it again, we, we are, Neo-Noir Vember is behind us, and what an undertaking. Yes. <laughs> that will be on a case-by-case basis when we get there next year. Yeah. Hey, God forbid we're doing the Patreon by then, Dan, yeah. you know, maybe, if we're getting paid for it. I got neo. I got neo noir November for days. If that's the case, <laughs> the whole the whole year will be neo noir November. At that oh point. boy, yes, absolutely. In the meantime, the lads they can't be bought. We're not no. about greed. Nope. We're about, about we're about the movies. We're about speed and speed. Yeah, and and just heavy lifting. I mean, I, I think the movie November, speed. Yeah, November November was a heavy lifting month for sure. But thank God it's behind it. us, Dan. If we yes. were if we were in November now, I don't know what I would do. Yes. <laughs> We're out, of, we're out of the woods, so oh, to Thank speak. God. We're out of the woods and into the lake, right? Yes, right into the lake. <laughs> Anything going on with you? Uh, not too much. Just trying to catch up on some of the criterions I've been getting from the, the sale. Finally picked got up everything the, uh, in that sale now that it's over. Yeah. I, I, I just uh, I picked up the uh, Melvin Van Peebles box set. I've been like waiting to pick that up and finally got it, so I'm about to start that. So I'm looking forward to that. You said that was your Christmas present, right? Possibly. Well, I... Did it jump ahead? It jumped ahead, too. I'm just going to buy this for myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I deferred a couple other requests for, on, my, on my Christmas list and said th- this Keep one. Keep us like, posted. Yeah. We're, we're looking forward to see what, what old Santa, St. Nick, brings you. There might be some uh, film noirs on my list, so we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll keep that up until after Christmas. Okay. That's good. Keep the listeners in suspense. Noir Claus is, is on the case. Yep. Detective Santa Claus. (laughs) Detective Claus. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what I want for Christmas yet. Good good tidings and cheer, right? Yeah, I think everyone wants that. Peace on Earth. Goodwill towards man and everyone. Yeah, well, if we had that, we wouldn't really be able to do these movies. Although I guess we're we're doing them in the past, so it's okay. We can talk about the history of mankind. Yes. Humankind. A lot lot of time hopping going on right now. We love to hop. We're a couple yep. of frogs over here. <laughs> is that all we got? Are we getting into this? Yeah, I mean, this movie's fascinating. So I feel like we have probably a lot to talk about. So maybe we should kind of dive into it, I think. Episode 48, folks. Feeling great? Let's find out. Lady <laughs> in the Lake. <laughs> Released January 23rd, 1947 by MGM. He's back. He's, even though we're, we talk about time hop, this was pre 
uh, Ride the Pink Horse. Mm-hmm. His debut, directed and starring Robert Montgomery. Screenplay by Steve Fisher, who did City That Never Sleeps, so he's mm-hmm. a friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Based on the novel of the same name by Raymond Chandler. Uh, mm-hmm. Philip Marlowe is back. We saw him in The Big Sleep. We, he's also, we'll spoil it now, he'll be back soon, uh, in a month, I believe. So look out for our, our old favorite detective. <laughs> but this time we got Robert Montgomery playing Philip Marlowe. And uh, <laughs> I, I guess first I, I want to ask you, before we even get, get into it. I'm ready to talk, so anything. My lips are loose. So do you Let's think play. this movie was more, less, or the same amount of confusing as Big Sleep? Or like, I say not as confusing, but or convoluted, maybe is a better word. I would say as much, if not more. Okay, yeah, I would probably agree with that. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. Yeah, I'm, this is going to be, I'm going to be reading down this rundown and be like, oh, that happened? Okay, like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm about, we're going to understand this together on the show for the first time. I, yeah, I've been kind of scared, honestly, like, as, as rewatching this, because I, I haven't, I hadn't watched it in such a long time. I'm like, yeah, oh I, I, I'm curious how round two went for you. Because oh, man. Oh, I, I can't imagine that will be something that, that will occur for me. Yeah, it, this, it, this, it, this movie, it's something. It, it's something. I mean, it, it's as far as movies that are not enjoyable go, like, it's a fascinating one. Yeah, like, uh, it, on one hand, like, you applaud what they're doing, but it makes for a boring movie. Absolutely. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I, I feel like that's what happened. It, it just like they were trying something new and innovative and they thought that would spice it up. But I think almost like the reverse happened. And, and you do this for your debut film. Like that's insane yeah. to me that you're like, all right, let's just, I got an idea for you. I, I just, I don't understand Robert Montgomery in general. I don't. <laughs> he's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> he's a fascinating guy. I mean, he, this guy gets nominated for Oscars down the line. Yeah. You know, like he, he's able to bring something and I could see that there's something there. Maybe not with this one more. So with uh, ride the pink horses or one horse, how many horses were you riding? There's one, one horse. Riding one, pink horse. one, one pink horse. And maybe that was the issue yeah. with that film, Dan it was, there was only one horse and it was a one horse town, but I don't know what he feels he wants to bring to this genre. It's not his genre. He, he doesn't belong here. I feel. Yeah, he certainly I mean, doesn't belong as Philip Marlowe. Like he read this yeah. and was like, you know who'd be great in this? Me. Me. He, yeah. he even like what this was his idea. He made he convinced MGM, who he was still under contract for until this movie was his last one. He said, buy the rights to his newest novel. Let's do this. Come on, it's Marlowe, it's Chant Raymond Chandler. What what could go wrong, right? Exactly. And Chandler was even gonna do the script. But he, he turned in something that they said was awful, which, yeah. you know, knowing their, that this was their opinion of this was the stuff, I'm curious to know how, quote unquote, awful it really was. Oh, yeah. Well, apparently he, he asked that he didn't want to even on his name on the, the credits. And uh, good for Chandler. him. God, God yeah, yeah. bless him. Yeah. I don't even want my name on the credits of this episode, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I would say, like, it wasn't so, terrible, but... Terrible. It, it, it's I definitely one of my least favorite we've done, but like I said, it's fascinating. Like, I feel like we need to talk about it because I think it's important to the overall scope of film noir. But I enjoyed Too Late for Tears more than this one. I will, I'll go out there and say that. Well, that's, I mean, it's, I feel like that's saying something yet it's not saying something. <laughs> um, but yeah. Say so something so, about me, yeah. I would say. I, I take, will admit, take it as you will. I will admit this is maybe one of maybe one or two times where I've actually fallen asleep. Oh, Dan, this, this was a two-day affair yeah. for me as well. You know, I came into this kind of site, too. Like, conceptually, I love the idea of it. Yeah. And, I, and, of course, we're going to compare it to Dark Passage, where it was so successful. Yeah. 
and, and so like I was curious, but it just wears off so quickly any kind of enjoyment you have on it. I, I one of my notes was that it felt like I was playing a nineties computer game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like you're playing like Duke Nukem or something like that, you know. And there's no music. Like every all everything is yeah. just stacked against this. Like just the yeah. the concept of it, the fact that it's Robert Montgomery both behind the camera and as <laughs> Philip Marlowe, the boy. And just yeah, there's there's no music. There's like a weird like vocal kind of music that comes in every now yeah. and then, which when it's going is pretty interesting. I I will concede that much. But overall, it's just such a very very interesting choice. And it's also coming off of doing Storm Fear, where Cornell Wilde, who's another actor-director, I mean, it's just fascinating because he's not the strongest actor, but he does it in such an enjoyable way, at least. And he's at least, he's a great director. I mean, we've, we've established yeah. that. So it's just interesting to have that contrast. And it's like, oh, here's a guy who just doesn't really seem to get it in my eyes. Like, there's just something lacking in Robert Montgomery's direction. Yeah. And, and, you know, conceptually, you're thinking like, okay, like you're taking elements of like Dark Passage, like you said, and then even like Big Sleep because it's Chandler. So you're kind of putting those two together. Like, okay, maybe this could be a cool thing, but it it doesn't really pan out. And I think that's just kind of the bummer because, yeah, I mean, I I want this to succeed. Are there little things I like about it? Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. But yeah, I feel like in general, it's definitely like a weak movie, like for sure. Like there's just, it, it, it really takes the life out of any of the noirness of that could potentially get into this movie where it'd be like cool like i feel like it, it really kind of sucks out the energy out of the movie um in a way yeah at least with ride the pink horse like, like there was a couple moments where like just not liking the movie you're like okay that was cool and you know it was interesting and it almost had something to say does the the carousel fight and things like that like yeah there's some cool action but i mean i guess just by the design of this film it never really had a chance to deliver anything like that i mean the punches <laughs> the the camera punches are just insane. Yeah, I think the, the the script was a little bit more straightforward in Ride the Pink Horse, and the cinematography was outstanding in that movie. So I think yes. that had that had more going for it. I think this this movie felt a little bit too. And this is only complacent. on DVD. No. You know, Warner yeah. Archives not rushing to do a Blu-ray of this, and I I can't blame them. Yeah, but it doesn't look bad. There's you know there's some little dusties that could be taken yeah. care of, but the sound was very iffy. Iffy, yeah. yeah I mean. You just hear that little fuzz in the background, just trying to get this thing turned up. But there is a commentary on here, you know, mm-hmm. give, got to give them that. And the trailer, which I, I did watch afterwards to see, like, how the hell did they market that to you? Yeah, and It really is that they're trying to, they're saying, you know, even on the cover of this, you and Robert Montgomery solve a murder mystery together, which I kind of did enjoy that. And there wasn't enough of that. But, you know, as we were going on, I was like, I don't really feel like I'm that involved in this yeah. case, you know? You wanted to be like more like it felt like you you were the first person like you were yeah i almost expected yeah. yeah exactly like robert montgomery to be on screen and look over and be like hey what do you think like i'm his partner or something yeah. you know and and maybe that's that's a movie right there yeah, i would say that that would probably be more interesting like if, if you were like this the quote-unquote you know sidekick or extra private detective that's helping him right you know and and he's kind of looking to you almost like not like choose your own adventure but kind of like right. trying to draw you in a little bit more i feel like that probably would have been an interesting effect but i mean i'm sure that marketing came after the fact but it, it, yeah. it really would have been interesting to be like yeah you're you're a part of the team you're you're a gumshoe you know but yeah i don't know and uh, but also i don't know if it could have been done as well like the, just the way the pov is shot is, is a little weird like dark passage you really it works i don't know yeah i don't know how it works but it works but it was only this, half the movie too. So, I mean, there's, there's that too. They I mean, knew to it, get out, yeah. but at the same time, it's half the movie, Dan. Like, you yeah. know, as much as I, it felt like it was about 
you know, when the transition comes in that movie, like, you know, it's coming, but it, it would have been fine if they continued. They really, they pulled it off nicely. But this is just, you kind of wonder how the actors were like, you almost feel bad how they had to act against this, you know? It's just like yeah. literally just standing there and looking at a camera and talking. But Almost a waste of Audrey Totter, huh? <laughs> I know. Well, Audrey Totter actually, she said for her in an interview that it actually was easy for her to do this because yeah. she worked a little on radio. Right. But I feel like, it, I don't want to say it's like a, a misuse, but I feel like I, I like her and, and I, I liked her in this movie, but I feel like you could have gotten even more out of her if it was more... God bless Audrey yeah. Totter in this movie because you, I would have fallen asleep so much quicker than I did last night. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's great in it, yeah. as great as she can be. But yeah, so we start, let's, let's get through this thing, Dan. <laughs> Well, first, I would say real quick about the beginning. I do really like the so when it goes, it starts right off the bat with all the it's got the Christmas music, and then you got the Christmas kind of you know the the cards, and then the last card goes, and then you see the gun, and that's cool. Like I think I I like that touch. That's like okay, yeah, you're going from like this nice sweet like Christmas thing to now you're seeing the gun right now, you know you're in it. So that's a good start. But from where it goes there... I, but I wonder how much even credit to give to Robert Montgomery for something like that. Yeah, that could be I'm not an editor's job. Credit. No. No, no, no. But, like, but it is cool. I, I, yeah. I, I agree with you. But yes, I'm, I just don't want to give him a, a bigger head than he probably already has at this point. Whoever made the title cards will give them the credit. Shout out to them. Good title cards. You know, because that was not... It probably was an MGM person because Ride the Pink Horse didn't have anything spectacular. Mm. Like, that wasn't, like, the classic Montgomery touch. Like, oh, you got to see his title cards. Yeah. Like, he's Hitchcock or something. <laughs> but, yeah, we open. He's going to be Philip Marlowe in this one, and he's just telling us all about this day that he became in- involved in the old Lady in the Lake murder case. And I'm going to also say right now, you hear Lady in the Lake, you're like, ooh, we are going to see a lake. I am so excited for that. We're never going to the lake. This classic, day- classic Raymond Chandler right there. Well, talking actually, about, talking about stuff that you're just not seeing or or there actually is the lake, role. and that was one of his issues with it was that they took out those scenes where they like yeah. they go to the lake. Chandler wanted us at the lake, and I agree with him. We we should have went there, but instead we're we're just going to hear this story where Philip Marlowe is like, you know what? I'm I'm not getting paid enough to be a detective, so it's time to become a writer. I'm going to be a writer, and I'm going to submit a short crime story to Kingsby Publications, mm-hmm. and we're there. And I believe this is where there's the receptionist. Is that correct? So he gets the letter to come in to talk to them. So he thinks it's under the auspice of selling his book. Um, and then, yes, then, then the first thing is he walks in, he sees that secretary. Okay. The secretary, I was weirdly just like on a Robert Mitchum rabbit hole. Yes, I know exactly what you're about to say. And this had just come together without even me doing research for this episode. But yes, she, Leela Leeds, she's the one who got busted on the marijuana charge with Robert Mitchum. That was a fun fact. I believe this was before that because, yeah, she did not yeah. enjoy as much success as he did after that. Well, I was going to say their their careers, you know, went opposite directions after his kind of, you know, boomed and hers. She went on a really downward spiral after that. I mean, you know, she's playing the receptionist in Lady in the Lake. Her career was only going so well at this point. I do love this. It comes up right after this when when he's in there, he's talking to Audrey Totter and then she walks in and the camera's kind of following Leela around and like checking her out as she's walking out. That's when I was still having fun with it because it was like, oh, okay, they're really going to use perspective as part, you know, like it seemed like he was really trying, but that just went out the window so quickly. Yeah. And there's some real like weird edits and and jumps and yeah. The mirror. Yeah. You see him in the mirror. He loves that mirror. Damn, we gotta get through this fucking slog. This episode, yeah. I tell you, turns out he he's called into there from uh, Adrian 
prom set. Mm-hmm. They're, they're talking about maybe we're publishing this story, but actually we need his detective skills. We're saying, hey, I need you to find Crystal Kingsby. It's the wife of Darius Kingsby. This is the guy who's the magazine's publisher. They're estranged. We need to figure out where he is. So she also says that you can't really trust her. She's a liar and she's been cheating on him and that Kingsby wants a divorce. But Marlowe, he's like, I feel like I'm on to something here. It seems like you're trying to break up this marriage so that you can marry him yourself. Mm-hmm. Marlowe, he's like, <laughs> he's attracted to her, mm-hmm. as, as of course he would be. So he says, you know what? You got the goods. I'm going to go ahead and work for you. I'm going to continue being a detective and not an author at this moment. But hey, maybe it'll lead to something too. You know, you These know. are the right people to be in with and to, to yeah. be doing favors for. Right. So we know that Crystal was last seen with Chris Lavery. Mm-hmm. and he starts to begin his investigation. He goes to Lavery's home in Bay City. Lavery invites him inside. He answers all of his questions, and then he knocks him unconscious. This is where you get your first camera punch. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. I enjoyed I enjoy this, at least. The first one was the best one, I yeah. think. It, it gets it's very little... unsurprising. Yeah, yes. very, 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 I, mean, very, I mean, very surprising. Uh, right. Just, yeah, that it, that it you know, kind of comes out of the blue at you. And out of the blue, he's unconscious, and he wakes up hours after in a jail cell. Mm-hmm. And this is where you meet Bay City Police Detectives Lieutenant DeGarmont, who I'm sure he was not going to play too much into this one, and Captain Fergus K. Kane. And Kane says, hey, Marlowe, I need you to chill it out in my town. Get out of my jail. Marlowe goes back to Adrian, and he says, what are we going to do? She says, why don't you go ahead to Little Fawn Lake, where the Kingsbees, they have a home there. And this is where we last saw Crystal. Mm-hmm. Before uh, he goes to head over there, a reporter comes in with news that Bill Chess, and do we ever meet Bill Chess? I don't think so. He's just we never met a name, him, no. right? Yeah. yeah. He doesn't get a fun little credit like the other person does. We'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah, he was the caretaker at the Kingsby's, and he was arrested for the murder of his wife, Muriel, and they, they found her body in the lake. This is the lady in the lake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no lake, though. Once again, guys, we're not. Despite the name of Little Fawn Lake, it's just Little Fawn. We're really enjoying. But Adrian, she doesn't think that it was Bill Chess. She thinks that it was actually Crystal who was the murderer because she hated Muriel. That's why he ends up going to the lake. Sorry, I got that a little mixed up. There's um, a lot of names, a lot of confusing plots. Yeah. So I don't blame you. <laughs> I'm already busy. So that's why I want to just get through this slog as much as possible. But yeah, the body had been in the lake for nearly a month. And then also Muriel had been using the name Mildred Havland. Mm-hmm. And that she uh, had married the caretaker because she was being pursued by someone and she needed a place to hide out. It was a tough so cop. It's a tough cop. Exactly. There's a description that comes into play that it seems like, hey, it might be someone we may have met. Maybe one mm-hmm. of these detectives who seemed a little tough when uh, they were dealing with Marlowe. Yeah. Also, Muriel and Crystal had a fight over a man that Marlowe had found an anklet inscribed with the words, To Mildred from Chris. Now, this guy knows his jewelry because at one point I noticed he has a crazy pinky ring. Did you notice that? No, I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. Well, if you ever make it to a third viewing, which I yeah. would not recommend. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry we even brought you to the second one. You know, But okay. for the show, for the, the things we do for the show, folks. Dan had to willingly put himself back into this crime. He had to solve this murder mystery all over again. I'd do it again. Did you remember who did it? Did you remember any of this, really? <laughs> this seems like one you forget almost instantly. I remember parts of it. It's been a few years since I've watched it. 
Yeah, bits and pieces I remember. I didn't remember who exactly did it. I knew it was some weird twist ending. And like, I, I couldn't remember enough that like, while I was watching this, like I was just in the dark, probably as you were. So yeah, because because you, it's part of it is like even if you have seen it, like you get so caught. Even like the the Big Sleep, which I've seen plenty of times, and sometimes I even forget what's going on in the movie because it's just so convoluted. And and I think just by nature, it's gonna make you forget. You know what the Big Sleep has going for it though, is that it's fun and, and good. And <laughs> it's got the call. It's got Bogey. It doesn't have Robert Montgomery in it in yeah. any any capacity. That's that's already a, a good thing for you. Yeah, I think at least you know, even if you're not necessarily the biggest Bogey fan, he has a certain charm and vibe about him. Like he's a persona. Like yeah. Montgomery is pretty like, eh. like you know, I, I feel like Bogey's Bogey. You know what I mean? Like you know, you kind of know what you're getting, but at least you're getting like a personality. Like he's gonna have yes. some quips. Like th- there's there's a certain level of of vibe that you're getting with him with montgomery it's just like i mean he almost like he just sounds very hateful through this entire movie yeah no like he's like pretty nasty when he talks to even like audrey totter a lot yeah this movie but he does it with a voice with no authority so you're just like like, yeah like like, someone else needs to punch you i need to go look in a mirror somewhere dude yeah he's he's he just seems like someone you get stuck to talking at a party and you're just like dude <laughs> why am i talking about and he's like i have this great idea for a first person movie and you're just yeah. like Fine. all right well yeah whatever and anyways how's the cheese anyways the cheese of this movie we're gonna get through is so he thinks that lavery is tied to the disappearance of both muriel and crystal so Marlowe heads back to lavery's house and he finds the door unlocked there's a woman in there she's holding a pistol and this turns out to be mrs fallbrook who is Lavery's landlady. And she says, he's not in the house. I found this gun. And here you go. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> you seem like a private detective. You could handle this. Well, he, he actually, well, he says that he lies. He says he's an insurance uh, That's guy, right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she doesn't know that. You're, you're an insurance investigator. Yeah, you know? he's trying to get like, and he's trying to like, that's your investigative vibe. Yeah, like yeah. for the car or something like that. Something along those lines. Something. But he gets in there. He heads upstairs. He's in the bedroom. He finds a handkerchief with the initials AF. And then in the bathroom, you see a, the gun shot and he keeps like opening doors before the body is revealed in the shower. I, this, this I, whole sequence, I did like. Yeah, this whole sequence I liked. I was, yeah, I was just going to say like, I like the, the bullet holes where you're kind of following along as he's following along. You're like, oh crap, like what, what is Yeah, up? the two you know? seconds that this movie felt like a film noir was great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were a couple moments, but I mean, this was probably the most. I would you're say. you're barely in the shadows in this thing at all. You yeah. know, you're at like parties and like publishing houses and yeah, it's just, Christmas it, trees. Right. I mean, and the Christmas stuff was fine. Like, I didn't even have yeah. a problem with that. I mean, it it didn't really it wasn't that necessary, but yeah, that's fine. So now he thinks that it's either Adrian or Kingsby that are responsible for Lavery's murder. So he goes to that Christmas party I was just alluding to mm-hmm. <laughs> at Kingsby's office and he shows Adrian the gun, but she seems pretty surprised over Lavery's death. And so Marlowe brings up Kingsby. To, uh, he, he talks to Kingsby who comes in and he's like, you know, this is what's been going on. And he seems shocked by everything too and that adrienne has been trying to sabotage his marriage and he's like you know what if you think anything was going on here you need to get that out of your head i love my wife yeah no good and so she's like hey you know i was after kingsby's money at first but i didn't murder anybody for it i have nothing to do with lavery and then she fires him uh she this is 
the line I liked in this movie enough to write down. She says, And as for you, you're off the case. There isn't any case anymore. Now kindly haul yourself out of here and send me a bill for your failure. I never want to see you again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good line. That's a good line. I had to, to stop it and write that. But yeah, immediately, Kingsby's like, hey, <laughs> and he just got fired, but hey, I'll hire you. Go find Crystal. And also make sure I'm not getting charged for murder. I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. Don't so Marlo around. heads back to Bay City and to, to return the gun to Lavery's. And he finds uh, the police, Kane and DeGarmont there. And when he's alone with DeGarmont, he's like, you know, hey, I think you might have known Muriel. I've, I've heard some descriptions about people like you, and I think you could fit the bill. I think she was hiding from you. And DeGarmont doesn't like that. So we get in a fight because, of course, we're, yes. we're involved with this fight. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to stay out of it. But here we go. Or the camera gets in a fight with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see the behind the scenes of this movie. Or yeah, some, some I'm pitches. sure it's interesting. Yeah, at the very least, I, I just don't know how you start this and then aren't just like, "This was a fucking mistake." Like, how do I get out of this? You know, how little do I moments where it's like this? you see the arm kind of come into the right side of the view uh, to like get something. Yeah, even just to edit this would just be like, "Yeah, fuck you, dude." <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's, you know, it's 1947 or 1946 when we're putting this thing together. Yeah. Chill. Yeah, I would definitely, I mean, I would read a, I would probably be more interested to read like a behind the scenes book about this movie maybe than watching it. <laughs> like just to see like people on set talking about like the experience, you know? You know, and as much as it's like this movie sucks, like I have to say, go watch it. Like at least start it. <laughs> like I said, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's interesting to watch, but like mm-hmm. as far as like from a technical standpoint, and it, like I said, in the canon of film noir, it's such an anomaly, I think. Mm-hmm. But so for that sake, watch it. But it's like not great. Like the plot no. wise, like, I mean, no. it, it's, it's very confusing, um, but it's fascinating. Yes. For a time. But then you're like, Oh my God, this movie is almost two hours long. Yeah. That's insane. On top of that. And wasn't ride the pink horse was over two hours long. I believe that was a long one. I don't think so. Was it? That Did long? it just feel like it? I think, I think you just, because this movie was, this movie is 105 minutes. So yeah. it's about 15 minutes short. Ride the pink horse. It was 101 minutes, so four minutes, four minutes less. <laughs> well, uh-oh. Um, they all felt longer. They all feel long with Robert Montgomery. You can tell, you can see why he only got to direct a couple more movies after those two. Eventually, they're like, you know, you're okay enough actors. Stop directing. This is not for you. So, yeah, they, they have the, the cop to Garma and Marlo have a little scuffle, and the police try to have him charged with Lavery's murder mm. and this is, is this where he's able to like get out because like the the captain or whatever is like ah it's christmas you know like he, he feels bad for him is that when they let him out yeah he kind of just yeah. lets him go yeah which hey you know there was no way that one was gonna stick anyways after this he, he, he goes and gets some information from a newspaper editor this is when he's like leaving the building and he like goes up and there's like that guy laying across the his table like on the phone just talking to someone yeah, that, that was, was really so, weird. So interesting. It was yeah. it was very weird. I don't know who would just lay on top of a desk like that. It did not seem comfortable. And he had so many phones. He had one for Milo to use. So yeah, he calls up a newspaper editor. Then he's able to kind of find out a little more information about uh, everything. Muriel was a nurse. There was She was mixed up in a murder with Florence Elmore, who was the wife of a doctor that Muriel had worked for in Bay mm-hmm. City. I guess, again, I'm, I am reading this. I'm not, yes. not an expert. 
It's it's very crazy to just read something and you'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess that's what was happening at that point. So he questions Florence's frightened parents. They're not really wanting to talk. They were intimidated because a policeman was involved with everything. It's probably going to be our old friend DeGarmont, Lieutenant DeGarmont. Now he's starting to suspect that it was Crystal and not Muriel whose body was in the lake and that Muriel is the murderer Mm -hmm. and uh, DeGarmont is covering up for her. But before we're able to look any further into that, Marlowe gets attacked again and he he passes out. But before he passes out, he's able to phone Adrienne for help and wakes up in her apartment clothesless this poor doorman apparently had to take this guy's clothes off and and put him into bed and drag him up and everything what's the tip on that Danny? Thing? i don't know <laughs> <laughs> probably a lot i bet some doormen have seen some some crazy shit in their day with some oh, of these yeah. people huh there's there's a documentary keep it interesting yeah doorman doc that's a free idea for you that is a good idea i'd, I'd watch that yeah let us watch it that's all we ask please let us watch it so he wakes up, he's chilling in bed. It's, I believe, Christmas Eve at this point. Mm-hmm. We're officially there. And Adrian, she's like, hey, I've fallen in love with you. <laughs> Based off of Somehow. nothing whatsoever. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> Somehow, I've fallen in love with you. So let's spend the day together. Um, and later that evening, Kingsby arrives. He's looking for Marlo. And he's like, hey, I got a telegram from Crystal. She says she's in Bay City and in need of money. Also, I, we should have said something in the beginning about the Mexican divorce telegram. Yeah, there was a telegram that Adrian had in her apartment that said it was coming from like El Paso originally. Yeah, I think they're so. sent through there, but like they said, oh, that could have been a forgery, which it very well could have been. Probably, yeah, in yeah. retrospect. But yeah, I mean, that was- especially with this one, because <laughs> obviously what we find out, yeah. Marlo, he thinks it's a trap that the, this new telegram. And he's like, you know what? I'll go deliver this money that she needs to her myself. Mm-hmm. So he goes and heads over and he leaves a trail of rice <laughs> behind <laughs> for the police to follow. From the box of rice that's that's open on the next to the stove. Naturally, of course. We all had the same idea, Dan. Yeah. Um, Bread so crumbs, he- rice. <laughs> you know, same thing. Just any kind of trail that's pretty obvious of like, what is this? Why yeah. is it? And I feel like it, that would be tough to see. Yeah. For yeah. the amount that he took with him. Right. No, it's it was not well thought out, but it, no. it seems to work as as we'll get into. Uh, he, he finds Mystery Woman, and this Mystery Woman is the one who's been trying to collect the money, and it's the same one who had introduced herself to him as Mrs. Falbrook. And now he's realizing that, hey, Mrs. here's your convoluted twist. Mrs. Yeah. Falbrook is actually Muriel, and that she had killed Crystal and Lavery to cover up the murder of... Florence. Yes. They don't reveal her face for a minute and then they do. That was fun. I like that. When she like doesn't look at him and just keeps walking down the street. Yeah. Like, she didn't even acknowledge that it was him. That was some good POV. Yeah. That was a, one other moment that was cool. Yeah. You know, we're back in the shadows. It was nighttime. Yeah. But to Garmont, he shows up. He, he followed the trail of rice. He was able to do it. And he's like, man, I kicked away your rice too, you know? Yeah. I got fuck fuck you, that. dude. Yeah. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> no one's following you or your yeah. rice. Although it turns out, no, they, they totally do. Dakarma, he'd been covering up from Muriel. He's in love with her. Yeah. She's uh, just using him, basically. Like, she's using everybody else, pretty much. So he didn't like that. So he, he shoots her. He had this whole frame job in mind, too. And also, when I watched the trailer, they totally spoiled that, but he, him shooting her. Yeah. Glad I watched that after the fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so shoots her, and when he's about to kill him, 
Kane comes in and kills him. He's like, yep, we love that trail of rice. Keep doing that. That's that's how we solve crimes in this city. So more rice, more power to you. <laughs> we solved the case. We got a happy ending with Adrian. The end. Everybody's free from this movie. Well, and and it might be in, in your facts, but they actually hated the ending, Robert Montgomery and Audrey Turner, because they tacked that on at the end. Oh, I didn't know that, no. Yeah, so they tacked that on at the end. I, I think, from what I read, it was because... They actually delayed this a little bit after Christmas because they wanted it to be, wasn't family friendly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of delayed it to January and then they tack that on at the end. So to have like a nice kind of ending to it to round it out for some reason. Um, but yeah, it was because it, it, it felt really weird. It felt really weird to me. It did, but it was par for the course, too, yeah. you know? It's yeah, like, I mean, it's not surprising, but, you know, still felt weird. Maybe that's what happens when you bring the movie in 19 days ahead of schedule. That's not a red flag to you, bro. Like, <laughs> take those 19 days. Like, you don't need to be that yeah. good. Well, the um, movie rushed, rushes just like the production. This was his last MGM film after his contract, which he had been under since 1929. Wow. So that, that's quite that's a, long, a... That's a long contract, almost 20 yeah. years. And weirdly, it was the film was a success for them, despite everyone not really enjoying the movie and thinking that the technique was a failure. Yeah, you know, it made almost six hundred thousand dollars, which in twenty sixteen terms was about six point five million. That's that's pretty good. Not too many fun facts about this one or, or anybody. <laughs> <laughs> some we've covered, and some decided at the time. A little bit the desire. But um, at one point, Lloyd Nolan, who played Lieutenant DeGarma, he was almost blinded when glass splinters from a bullet shell smashed a window and hit him in the face. Yeah, at the end of the movie. Imagine going blind for this movie. That would suck. (laughs) (laughs) Of all movies. (laughs) Um, And they called the first person camera technique subjective camera. And it had been used in the first few minutes of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, 1931. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you seen that one? I have not, but I, I would I would be interested because I, I do I've been on a big pre-code kick, so I feel like that would be something up my alley for sure. It's such an interesting story too. Like yeah. I, I and I would love to see it around that time and and also yeah, knowing that it has a little bit of a few minutes of POV sounds great. That's mostly all you need. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see how far you could push it. I think maybe Dark Passage was that. Maybe they were like the that it's like the up to the limit of like what's you know, i think so i think for yeah. modern audiences you might need to shave off like 10 minutes of that but yeah i think i think that is the the goal here do you know any other pov movies dan it's a good question was it hardcore henry was that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> you ever be a few years back i remember i remember them the title i mean yeah i never saw yeah. it but it was like i remember it, like, it was another like pov i will say one thing i like about these this because this is a dvd on demand i always like how these look like not the back obviously i don't like the blue but they always the covers always look so nice and yeah the cover looks great takes up everything like i just i don't know something about those those dvd writables or whatever yeah made on demands they look good yeah and i love the cover i like the starkness with the red like it looks cool yeah it 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 had me a little excited too i mean i love the tagline it looks cool i mean they got Robert Montgomery looking tough, which he, we all know he isn't. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it succeeded in that. Yeah. There, there's so much that you want to work about this, but it just unfortunately does not. Yeah. But, but like we said, I mean, I think it's, it's worth at least a, a watch once to experience it. Like, I feel like if you're into film noir, like as I'm assuming by this point now that we're, you know, 48 weeks in, I, I hope <laughs> that, that you've, you've taken away that you enjoy it. I, I feel like it's, it's interesting enough to watch 
but yeah, it's it's not. Dan, if you listen to one episode of this, I hope you're into film noir. There is no other reason to listen to this podcast. <laughs> like we're fine, but I know, yeah, come up, yeah, no, I, yeah, but yeah, at least watch it once. I think that's fine. One time, that's all I plan on it. But you guys want to borrow my copy? That's more than all right. Uh, final fact: the actress who is credited as playing Crystal Kingsby, Elaine Mort, is actually non-existent. It's an inside joke. It's a homonym for the French L.S. Morte, meaning she is dead. Mm-hmm. That's a good uh-huh. time. It's stuff like that where you're like, that's so cool. How come mm-hmm. the movie isn't as cool as that fun fact? Well, I think I, I was also thinking about when you mentioned earlier about how we don't see the lake. He talks about going to the lake, but he's like, I'm not going to film it. I'm just going to talk about it. Because he does go to, I mean, Robert Montgomery's character, he does go to the lake. And then they throw right. it after, after he comes back yeah. and talks like, about Boy, it. Boy, it sure was a great lake. Yeah, great to be there. I just don't want to shoot it. 19 days ahead of schedule, Dan. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, 10 of those days. Take them. Go to the lake. Take MGM didn't have a lake on their lot anywhere? A fake lake somewhere? This might have been why it was the last film with them. They're like, you know what? I couldn't get my lake. We're, we're done here. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the only respect I have for him is that made-up scenario we just gave him. <laughs> fan fiction. Robert, Robert Montgomery fan fiction. <laughs> well, thank here. you for listening to our fan fiction of a podcast episode. Uh, this one was a, a breeze by, but you know, you earned it after sitting through that movie, that experiment. Yes. Um, but next week we got episode 49. Oh, God, Dan. Oh, God. Looking at this title, this is a terrifying. It's yeah, 1955's A Bullet for Joey. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> What is it, Constable? This. Get out. Both of you. From every viewpoint, the hunters or the hunted, no matter how you look at it, through a killer's gun sight or through the eyes of the law, You won't want to miss a single second of this picture's mounting suspense. Come on, let's go. Keep looking. Audrey Totter has plenty to offer, too. As a girl who kisses and tells more than she should. He's teaching me to play chess. Now, what are you teaching him? (laughs) I do believe you're jealous. Listen, baby doll, I don't care what you're teaching him. Just so that you don't forget that you're doing a job. calling headquarters. Someone coming, sir. Try and stall him for a minute. Right. Calling headquarters. Come in, headquarters. Come in, headquarters. Can you hear me, Fred? All right, that's all. I'm sure you don't care about your neck. But if you don't want anything to happen to his, you'll talk. When Scarface clashes with Little Caesar, you get the full impact of their sensational battle of wits and wild violence. Might have to be worried about this one. Are you trying to send a message here?
Hey, I think you picked this one, so, <laughs> so can't pin that one on me. Fair enough. Well, we're bringing back our old friend, our friend that we don't see nearly enough around yes. these parts. I will say 2022, we're bringing the Edward G. Robinson. Oh, but yeah. We're, we're, we're going to start with this one first. I, I've never seen it, but you have, right? Because you have. This. No, I oh. haven't. I have okay. it. I own it, but I've never watched it. I've been holding off. I don't, you know, we'll see. I, maybe we might be giving you two old boys in a row, but. Come on, we we just gave you Neo Noir Benford, but we can coast a little. Yeah, and I thought you got... meant me. I thought you meant me personally. Like you're <laughs> you, like like you didn't want me to be punished by this, but you're talking about the the royal. I don't. If... Way. Okay. Dan, I was. I'm never knowingly trying to punish you. Thank you. I I don't I don't think you are. I think in this instance of Lady in the Lake, you knew the score, but it, it had to be done. It had to be. Yeah. It kept coming up on the show naturally. Just even when, of course, it came up during Dark Passage and, and mm-hmm. the Pink Horse. You just hear about it. You naturally become curious. In this yeah. instance, I forgive you. Forgiveness all around, please. We just got over Thanksgiving. We're thankful for each other. Mm-hmm. And now we're in Christmas. We're in the Christmas spirit where we gift you these episodes, don't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. We're, we're still putting them out for free. Yep. <laughs> Every now and then we get a little bow. And that bow might be a bullet for me. We'll see. Thank you for listening. Feel free to send us your POV, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com, out of the podcast, Instagram, out of the cast, Twitter, and uh, feel free to re- subscribe, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, review if you can, if the, you see a reviewable spot, rate us. Yeah. I believe that's all the stuff that can Any be comments? done. Yeah, comment. Yeah. Say hi. Smash on that button, right? That like button. That like button. Smash that like button. Should we go on? Are, are we worthy of YouTube? Should we put this on YouTube? Hmm. Getting some mixed media. I don't know. I don't know. What, maybe we do something interesting. Who knows? I guess we could figure out some sort of maybe YouTube episode. Because you, I feel like if we did a YouTube, you'd want to see us, like the this part. That no, we see. No, one, no one wants to see me. No one wants to see me. Well, yeah. No, believe me. I'm, I, I don't want to be seen either. So I'm fine with just putting up like a thumbnail. But is that enough? Yeah. For YouTube, or is it like, I could just be listening to this anywhere else? I don't know. So maybe, why don't you guys tell us? Yeah. Maybe we put some moving images. Maybe we could just have the gif somehow of the video of, of the magician from uh, uh, Satan that Never Sleeps of him just pulling the... Uh, if we just loop that. Just loop yeah, that, we, yeah. We could just find one loop per episode. I also want to go on record. I say gif. So this is, this is where the lads are divided. Oh, yeah? What did <laughs> I say? Did I say gif? You said gif. Do you okay. want me to edit it? Yeah, because I feel like I normally say gif, but maybe just because I, I was... I was shocked. I was thinking ahead too far and I didn't. Fair enough. And we all slip and we're yeah. all allowed a, a gift every now and then. Yeah. A gaff, right. a gaff or a gift. <laughs> and next week, a bullet for Joey. But in yep. the meantime, friends, folks, Christmas, holiday. Noiros. Yeah, Noiros. <laughs> <laughs> Raise your sparkling apple cider and say, here's the crime. Here's the crime. Ding. <laughs>